Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Shitty Christians. I'm your host, Zachary Allard. And I'm Michael Tamer. And Michael, it's a new year. It's a new you. It's it's like February, dog. Where have you been? <laughs> no, it's a new year. Look, I'm always, like, I, I am slowly, it's like the the way I get up in the morning. I ease into the day. Yeah, maybe describe for our listeners your morning routine. <laughs> okay, so here's the thing. I'm torn. Okay. Because I have the morning routine of like a lesser Pasha. Like a Pasha mm. that doesn't actually run the country. Yeah. But yeah, is like yeah. related. Well, the Saudi, I'm a minor Saudi prince with my morning <laughs> routine. And that it's like, there's nothing important for me to do. Yes. Anywhere. Mm-mm. At any time. But I also don't have to get up and work uh-huh. because I work remotely and I work at strange hours and I do have like a few jobs. But like they are kind of whenever they happen. Yeah, nothing Nothing you have is based around specific hours of the yeah. day. Very rarely do I yeah. have to be somewhere. Yeah. So, <laughs> I usually wake up at a more normal hour, like nine between 9.30 and 10 in the morning. Citation needed. <laughs> also, 10 o'clock being a normal time to wake up is already psycho shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's better than it used to be. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's fair. All right, continue. And... I work from my bed for the first hour of the day. You can just say tweet, dog. I answer it's cool. emails. I tweet. I catch up with the discourse. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, I, there's a little bit of work emailing in there. You know, I see what needs to be done. I figure sure. out my schedule for the day. Mm-hmm. And then I get out. That's So that's probably 1130. I get out of bed. <laughs> and then I attack my day from there. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, uh... So similarly, I like to do years that way. So I finally feel like I'm in 2022. Okay, so so, so you have finally arrived at 2022. What does that mean for you, Zachary? Hmm. So all that to say, I was thinking about some uh, some New Year's resolutions, Michael. Oh, okay. I found a, found a handy article. <laughs> <laughs> That's how to kick the New Year off right. 55 New Year's resolution ideas for 2022. We are not going to go through them all because many of them are fairly standard, like drink more water, be less shitty on social media, which I will not do. Yeah, never. Never repent of that. Fuck you, (laughs) you worthless worm. But there's a few here I wanted to sort of like, uh, I wanted to read you. This is is building a better Zach. Yeah, and Michael, Yeah, if possible. If we can't build back better America, we should at least do something for ourselves. All right, let's pitch me a few. I want to see. Maybe right. I can get on board with this. First one, focus on a passion, not the way you look. <laughs> <laughs> Which I feel like, first of all, just says you ugly. Yeah, I feel Move like I got on. next. <laughs> That's hurtful. By Parade Magazine. What if my passion is the way I look? Okay, so like... I mean, first of all, I think that is a passion for a lot of people. <laughs> I care about the way I look. What's wrong with oh, that? Oh, Zachary cares about the way he looks. Zachary, tell me a little bit about your skincare regime. Okay, so, like, <laughs> everyone needs a skincare routine, all right? The skin is the largest organ of your body. Uh-huh, if you're not taking uh-huh. care of your skin, you're basically ruining your skin. You are damaging yourself. Oh, okay. So it's self-harm to just exist. Yeah, in your... okay, that's right. All right. So, you know, you do... A scrub in the mornings to okay. clean your skin mm-hmm. with some um, exfoliation. Okay, of course. Then what are we talking? Epsom up. salt, microbeads. What do we got going on? We're talking cowling clay. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh. volcanic ash. Uh-huh. It's the stuff that works best for my 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 complexion. Uh, uh, I have for oil- your T zones. Yeah. Well, I have an oil. I have like fairly oily skin, so I can kind of like polish it down. Uh huh. Uh huh. Pretty harsh every day, and my skin responds well to that. Because I have these sort of, you know, oils to deal with that. Okay. All right. uh, and then put on a toner, sort of evens out, you know, sort of cools it off and sort of evens your complexion out. Mm-hmm. When that evaporates. <laughs> That's when we really get started. Then you put on eye cream and face cream but with an SPF. So it's not that crazy, I don't think. Okay, so dear listeners, <laughs> longtime listeners will know that Zach and I reside in the same abode. Yeah. And the every, same bed. The same, <laughs> we're we're, we're the, the grandparents in Willy Wonka. Yeah, of course. That would actually be delightful. Yeah, we're cute. Yeah. Um, every morning, and by morning I mean 1130, when Zach finally exits his room for the first time, he immediately goes in the bathroom for about 10, 15 minutes. Nothing it's too It's not excessive. that insane, yeah. And then he emerges with his face heavily coated in cream. Mm-hmm. 
It's like a, like a white, like almost like a face mask level. Sure. Not quite. Remember when Drake did blackface? It's like me doing whiteface. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Cool. And then, and then he just leaves it on. Yeah. So, well, because my skin absorbs it. Uh-huh. And then, look, it was my birthday recently. And people have commented that said, hey, I didn't look as old as I am, which is 47. And I don't look 47. Oh, nice. Congratulations. Thank I you. will say, one minor compliment. Yeah. Um, I think one of the things that I have noticed is that uh, your eye bags have been looking on point. It really not Thank exists. You. I appreciate that. Yeah. It's hard because I have serious eye bags. Yeah. Um, I also have a theory that mm-hmm. Los Angeles is the place to do this. It's a place where everyone reaches more or less their hotness ceiling. Interesting. That's my theory. You come to, if you're not from LA, if you're from LA, I don't know. Fucking who knows. But if you come to LA from the outside world, you will reach from like Iowa Falls or some shit, you will reach your 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 peak. Now, okay, do you attribute that to like, oh, we like hiking, we're out at Runyon, we're outside? It's all the things. Or right? okay. my pitch, Ooh. which is that this okay. is a hellhole town sure. that wants to judge everyone mm-hmm. based on that. So it, is, it just makes it very uncomfortable for you if you're not willing to hop on that train. Yes. I mean, I think the answer is both, right? Like, you probably, like, have more money. You probably have more education. You probably have more time to do things like go hike and do things like self-care, which is really what we're describing here. Mm-hmm. Describing money and time, mm-hmm. right? Like, um, And then also the dark side of that is that, like, well, you have that time. Better, better, better spend it on yourself. Like, like there's more of that competitiveness uh, and shallowness. Uh, and that's the dark. That's it's LA. It's a shallow fucking city, but I love it very much. All right, give me, give me some more on this. Give me the list. Okay. Because I am certainly not going to start caring about myself, so. The ne- <laughs> You're not going to start using creams? I, I'm not going to start doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> Your skin still looks good. You're fine. Um, stop gossiping. <laughs> Don't be that okay, person. Why are they attacking our podcast? Yeah. First of all, gossip is a good time, right? I love some hot gossip. Oh, guys. I love gossiping. It's so fun. Yeah. Who doesn't love, like, knowing a third party and then talking about them to another person? That's Half amazing. the conversations in this household are one of us seeing a social media post about a mutual <laughs> friend and then us talking mad shit for three to 15 minutes. It's a great way to liven up your day. And, you don't have time for and nap. that's why we're such close friends. Don't have time for nap? Talk some gossip. Yeah. Um, give one compliment a day. Okay, now that one's nice. Michael, you look great. Your beard? Fabulous. Very full. Thank you. Yeah. I admire you. I know. <laughs> All right, let's uh, zip through through see if we have one more here. Call your friend instead of texting them? That's insane. Okay. Never Psycho fucking shit. do that. Oh, my God. That's so horrifying. I would be so upset if you called me instead of texted me. I'm very upset that you're talking to me when we could be texting right now. <laughs> A podcast is just our text stream. Yeah, and it's not even the actual text. It's just the little notification beeps. <laughs> No, phone calls are psycho shit. Never do that. Call your mom. That's it. That's the only human being that you should ever converse with. And your dad for five minutes when she passes off the phone. (laughs) That's it. That's the whole deal. (laughs) How you doing, buddy? (laughs) This is maybe my most millennial take, but do, do not fucking FaceTime me. That is my least favorite thing. It's the only thing worse than a phone call is having to like, oh, if I'm going to be on the phone, by God, I'm going to be doing something else. So please ugh. do not try to strap me into a chair. I already in this new world have to do Zoom meetings. Yeah. Do not fucking make me look at your face. Horrifying. Um, not your face. Your face is lovely. There, the, that's a compliment for all the listeners. Nice. Thank you. Yeah. The last joke one, or they, yeah, they say it's real. Get a real haircut? That seems like aggressive. Yeah. It's like, what's wrong with my haircut before? Come on, bro. <laughs> Get a real haircut. Whoa. That's a, that's rude. I get, a lot of these are just like, spend more money. Yeah. Be less fucking shitty. Yeah. Like, it's, hey. Wait, doesn't that actively cut against, like, care less about your appearance? It does, actually. Yeah. I gotta say, Parade Magazine, two thumbs down. Yeah. Not, not your best work, Parade. <laughs> okay. So we have got a doozy of an article today. Ooh. We're going to really get into it. And, uh, and to set this up, I think it's, it's worth acknowledging. It's a little self-reflection mm-hmm. time here mm-hmm. on Shitty Christians. You know, we spend a lot of time talking about problems. Yes. Uh, toxic theology, sexual abuse, Jerry Falwell's gut. You know, the, the really dark <laughs> shit that we get into week to week. And on, on occasion, mm-hmm. our haters have written us long emails oh my gosh. Uh, that all basically boil down to, but what are you doing to fix it? What are you doing to solve mm. these problems? Yes. 
And now, like, okay, listen, we're a couple white dudes with the podcast. Obviously, we're not doing anything. Hey. Or, conversely, are we doing the most important work <laughs> the imaginable? Most important work. Are we doing something that no one could even fathom I mean, doing? Are we like, buying mics on Amazon? <laughs> <laughs> are we getting into crypto? <laughs> no, listen, like, Zach and I did not get our matching good vibes only face tattoos. That's right. So that we could sit around here and write policy papers. No. Like, fuck you. We, you know what you're here for. But, but... In the spirit of okay. hearing criticism sure. and hearing in its best light, maybe it's time. Maybe it's mm-hmm. time for us to think about ways to get involved. Start thinking about solutions. Okay. And I'm grateful yep. that as I started thinking about this, I came across this article that did all the work for us. <laughs> we agree there are problems, but we have yep. a Super Friends team up of two luminaries. Oh, thank goodness. That are going to teach us. Are we us talking... Cornell West and Bernie Sanders? Are we talking Ilan Omar and no one else? <laughs> what are we talking about, Michael? Better. Oh, shit. We're oh, talking fuck. David Brooks <laughs> and Tim Keller. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That is the worst. Uh, <laughs> like, I hate. I'm really upset. That helicopter you hear in the background is coming for us right now. That's right, yeah. <laughs> we are we are delving into the dark I, arts. I am I am I am getting swatted by police by my I'm swatting myself so we don't have to record this episode. <laughs> so we can end this episode early. So David Brooks, New York Times conservative columnist, we've talked about him before. Uh most famous perhaps for uh divorcing his wife. Yep. And marrying his assistant. Yep. Millenni- con- 20 years younger, millennial. Yeah, and he made his wife convert to Judaism for him and then converted to Christianity for his assistant. So. Yeah, and then wrote a book and- about how young pussy good, though. <laughs> really, though? After, by the way, being the, like, basically the, like, moralism is what this country needs. Da, 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 yeah, he's, guy. he's your tedious moral majority guy. And so for him to be like... He wrote an entire book called yep. The Second Mountain, which is always very fun. I think that's my favorite. Chapo did an episode on it. That's my favorite episode. Uh, Zach, get through an episode of this podcast without referencing Chapo Challenge. Can't. Won't. Only, it's your only source of information. Uh, I will say they are the experts on David Brooks. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. I'll give you that. This is okay. relevant. Okay. Okay. So David Brooks and Tim Keller teaming up to fix the church. So <laughs> let's get A guy who's it. been Christian for five minutes. Yeah. And Tim Keller, a guy who should have only been a Christian for five minutes. <laughs> a guy who's never been a Christian. Ah, uh, there fine. we go. All right. So it gets in in probably the way you'd expect. All the statistics about, you know, declining mm. church attendance, blah, yeah. blah, 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 things. Everyone's bleeding. This is bad stuff we've talked about before. Yep. And so to hear David say it, there are three big issues that have profoundly divided the church. Okay. White evangelical embrace of Donald Trump, sex abuse scandals in evangelical churches, and attitudes about race relations, especially after the killing of George Floyd. So, like... Okay, I have critiques of all of those. I don't think those individual incidents fully right. encapsulate the issues, but I don't think that's actually a terrible list, right? Like that's the, yeah, exactly. I'd frame it differently, but it's yeah. more or less hitting something. Yeah, I would perhaps go with the murder of George Floyd by the state instead yes. of race relations, instead yeah. of racial justice. Yeah. Like, there's issues there, yeah. but he, these are all issues that we have, in fact, talked about on this podcast extensively. These are things Christians are shitty at, sure. So, let's get into how Brooks fucks it up immediately. <laughs> Uh, Brooks then goes on a long list of sort of the the who's who of the, you know, they would call themselves moderate Christians. We know that they're right-wing Christians, just right. not as hyper-right-wing as others. The Karen Swallow Priors, Russell Moore, Beth Moore. Uh, he gets Lecrae in there, which I think is very funny. Um, We're definitely going to have to do an outro this week then. Oh, yes. We're going to get some <laughs> Lecrae on the pod. Finally. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be better, though, when you freestyle over it, Zach. <laughs> I could actually do that, but we're going to continue. Zachary's Lecrae diss track. I don't actually have that much beef with Lecrae. No, I, mean, I disagree with him. I, I think he, but I think he's actually better on like LGBT stuff than a lot of the other people on this I list. kind of nothing Lecrae at the end yeah. of the day. I, I certainly like Lecrae's vision of racial justice is not my vision of racial justice. Sure. But, you know, for his, anyways, let's move on. <laughs> this becomes the, the Lecrae <laughs> Becomes the Lecrae Michael discourse. does 40 minutes on Lecrae while I just sit I here. I have complicated feelings about that man. Uh, he is, I will say this, this is my final thought on Lecrae. The man 
Definitely. You know how the Newsboys, every album was just aping off whatever the genre conventions in the yeah. moment were? Yeah. Like, they would change everything about their music to match mm-hmm. that moment. Yeah. That is definitely Lecrae and hip-hop. Like, the the man is, I think, a pretty, <laughs> like, successful chameleon, at yeah. least for the Christian rap yeah. world. But he is a chameleon. The man has no, like, mm-hmm. musical voice other than, well, uh, everyone's doing triplets. I guess I'm into triplets now. Like, it's, <laughs> it is kind of remarkable to watch him change. But anyways... So his first quote is from the president of Christianity Today. Because when I'm trying to understand (laughs) the issues in the church, what I go to is Christianity Today. And as it turns out, Tim, Tim, the president of Christianity Today, is having some feels. Uh, His name is legally Tim Today. (laughs) (laughs) Tim yesterday. He's like, I found the last five years to be shocking, disorienting, and deeply disheartening. The people who I used to stand shoulder to shoulder with on almost every issue, I have come to realize we are separated by a yawning chasm of mutual incomprehension. Don't flatter yourself, Tim. (laughs) Don't fucking flatter yourself. You're definitely that dude that's like, I'm just so hot. I'm so interesting. I'm so different than the other girls. Oh, I'm so liberal. I never would have thought it could happen so quickly. Shut the fuck up, dude. Shut the fuck up, Tim. Now, Tim, uh, this belongs to a whole pantheon of articles. sort of neatly summed up as like man who punches hole in boats surprised by rising water levels yeah like, yeah yeah i mean this is just it's the it's the hot dog meme we and yeah. we don't need to go into <laughs> this specifically because it is just like all of these people will disavow everything they helped create um, and also like these are just people who care about rhetoric that's all you need to know all you know about this guy and every other guy like him is that they love donald trump and what donald trump believes they just don't like the way he says it that's it that's all that's fucking different yeah, these these never Trumpers are in fact Trump policy apologists. Yeah. They just don't like the aesthetic, which we'll see come up again. Then we get, of course, get into a Russell Moore quote. You know, Russell oh Moore, resistance hero. Our he guy. walked away. He walked away. Um, he was more shown the door, but continue. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, he was. He walked away the same way I left that bar one time. <laughs> and he has it. <laughs> That's good. I like that. Uh, we now see young evangelicals walking away from the church. Not because they do not believe what the church teaches, but because they believe that the church itself does not believe what the church teaches. This uh, is about hypocrisy. This is about moral failings, Zach. Mm. This isn't about theology. Sure. We're going to see that come up again. The, I, what, I, here's what I'm going to briefly say. These people are so far removed from material politics. It's not just not about material politics or conditions. It's not actually even about theology. It is purely purely about presentation of ideology it's not even about ideology like that's an amazing claim dude yeah i think i think we're going to return to that specific claim at the end because i think it so neatly encapsulates what this article and these people do and don't understand about the issue Gosh, it's anyway all right so according to david there's a couple problems right yeah you know what what's the real core of the problem here and the first one again he's not entirely wrong power he says is the core problem here okay first the corruptions of personal power okay and he mentions, like, yeah, I, I don't think he's wrong to point out that evangelical churches are by and large fiefdoms. Yeah. And that they have always, or at least largely, like, charismatic people create mm. systems of power that reinforce yeah. their will. And that a lot of the issues we've seen do, in fact, come from powerful individuals yeah. who brook no dissent and c- sort of create the theology in their own image. The dream of Protestantism is side to side. You know, it's that there is no pope. There are no priests. There's only you and God. The problem is mostly what we've created is a bunch of tiny little Catholic churches. And it's, yeah. a, sh- it's, it's, it's a shame. Continue. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, at least in like our experience with Baptist churches, it is Catholicism in miniature. Yeah. Um, down to the sexual abuse. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then he talks about there's a, the way that partisan politics has swamped what was supposed to be a religious movement. And uh, he mentions here, he says, over the past couple decades, evangelical pastors have found that their 20-minute Sunday sermons could not outshine the hours and hours of Fox News their parishioners were mainlining every week. Mm-hmm. So, like, one, he's not entirely wrong, right? Sure, like, of course. Yeah. Uh, but what he fails to investigate is something we talked about a lot on this pod. It's like, why is it, do you think, that evangelicals have been so susceptible to the siren song of a Tucker Carlson? Probably no reason. Probably no reason. Probably no association. That would connect, that would make Fox News connect so closely with the evangelical. They're creating, they're about to continue creating, I'm just going to spotlight here a little bit. They're creating a false wedge. They're creating a conflict that doesn't exist except in the pages of the Phelan New York Times. Mm -hmm. That like, there are conservatives who are different than Trumpies. David, shut the fuck up. There are no conservatives different. 
Democrats are different, so conservatives George definitely are. W. Bush was worse than Trump. Things were always bad. These are it's just the same Trump brain. They're encountering, they're like, these people have changed. Like it's escalated, but it's the same thing, dude. Yeah. Fuck and off. I, Fuck I off. think it's also worth pointing out that like even the Fox News reference here feels out of date. Like it is we're, out we're of past date. that. We're yeah. we're into Newsmax and Q Q shamans. Like we are yeah. we are past the stage where Fox News is even the true voice of like the thing he's decrying here. People, people all the time talk about Fox News being too lib. Like, fuck off. Oh, yeah. No, I, I have people in my life who have told me that Fox News has gone too liberal recently. <laughs> Just to let you know what I get to deal with <laughs> on a semi-regular basis. <laughs> Moving desperately onward. Michael, why are you crying? So <laughs> Russell, Russell is back in the game, and he makes a real interesting claim here. Okay. He says, the healthiest people, spiritually tend to be the least engaged in these struggles. The unhealthiest tend to be most engaged in spiritual life and politics. It doesn't matter what the numbers are. The people who care are always going to set the agenda. Uh -huh. So Russell is claiming here that like, hey, just log off. Like, hey, if you care about Jesus, you're gonna be better off if you don't care about politics. I'm torn. Okay, hit me. Not really. Yeah. But I also think these people shouldn't care about politics. <laughs> so I almost kind of like, want to agree and be like yes conservatives right-wing christians you maybe should log up because like if you're you know but i also don't think like of course that's not right you know people should care about like the oppressed and the poor and the yeah. whatever um these just particular idiots should maybe care less yeah, about yeah, yeah. listen if there's a way that i can i can cement this around just you know the people that they're talking about sure but i think it's incredibly disingenuous no, of course, to say that our uh, faith of course, calls of us out of political engagement or like, yeah to like yeah you know who jesus didn't give a shit about the material conditions of the poor like yeah. that's insane and that's a fundamentally political question it is, it is really, really strange. Like, you're not wrong to recognize that there is an unhealthy obsession between yeah. Christianity and right-wing politics. Mm -hmm. uh, but this is some horseshoe theory shit. This is, yeah, this is, of like, course he would, it is. He would say this is equally as true as leftists as conservatives. And, like, oh, fuck you, what theory. is the church for? Like, what yeah. are we supposed to be doing? This is, this is psychology as religion. Like, I, I could maybe make an argument that the church should care less about, like, electoral politics I agree sure. with that sure. and it depends on how so it depends on how we're defining Anti politics podcast. yeah this is yeah we don't believe in voting or reading but I, I and so like even maybe the church can care a little bit less about the state fine but like the church not being in terms of politics writ large well that's fucking ridiculous yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, if you care about people then you must care about their material conditions yeah. and in order to care about their material conditions you must engage in supporting them and so that those are political questions yeah. even if it's not always direct political action but they are there it's always a political thing now here we here again we see this idea he says roughly 80 percent of white evangelical voters supported trump in 2020 but it is often a minority of this group who spark bitter conflicts and want their church to go to war all the time yeah, I don't understand where that's coming from. Yeah, I, there's no Against evidence the to The joke suggest. citation needed. But, yeah. like, honestly, like, the joke pushing aside it, I don't see any evidence for that. Yeah. Like, I, none. Zero. I, <laughs> I think, one, we need to acknowledge, like, no. Like, look at churches and mass mandates. Look at churches and vaccines. Like, yeah. Like, the church has been weaponized for these things writ large. Like, yeah. Uh, and is fully engaged in the culture war. But second... I want to push back on the idea that there's a difference between somebody who voted right. for Trump and somebody who voted for Trump but, like, really meant it. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. fuck off. Materially, those things are the same. <laughs> no, that's so funny. Yeah. No, I mean, is this the place to do it? Do, I, do we want to talk about the American hypocrisy with this? Yeah, go for it. This is something I've been thinking about. I think I've talked about it on the pod a little bit. Though I don't know if I've done a full, like, rant. You know, Zach rant trademark about it um you would try to trademark your rants well yeah no it's like i remember when i was a kid watching like fox news and like dennis miller had his like two or three minutes where he would like come on and like oh. do things and he, he called it miller time Ooh, <laughs> he, that I, is i missed that in my upbringing. i was more of a rush boy i remember I, mean, I, I listened to rush too B band and radio <laughs> I remember solid. Um, I, that's a weird combo. <laughs> and I remember him once talking about like the Earth's going up a couple Celsius. Am I the only one who thinks that's stable? Which is just like huh. just that was that level of like yeah, jokes yeah, for yeah. Miller time. So anyway, this is my version of that as a lover of Dennis Miller. Okay. Um, Let's like, get into I also it. remember him being on Monday Night Football. Don't know why. 
don't know why. Is this like a long-standing thing in your life? Did Dennis Miller do things? I think he was like weirdly present now that I'm thinking about it in my childhood and background. Well, because we watched football, we watched Fox News, and he was just like, that was his like rightward turn in the odds. Oh, see, I, I am, Dennis Miller is just, a face in my brain. I have no association. See, he was like an SNL guy, a lid. Really? And then he did the grift. He did oh. that. He's one of the first to do the grift where he like went from, he was like, they're like, oh, I'm lit, but like I was liberal, but now I'm conservative in like the early 2000s. He's pulling a Chappelle. That was one of his, He, but he did it way before those other yeah, guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. So this is my rant. Okay, <laughs> all right. So this is your right-wing grift turn. Here we go. Yes, I'm ready. right. It's been all a long right. time coming, baby. Start with a quote by MLK. That's completely out of context. <laughs> Murder game. <laughs> actually says that white people should have all their money, and it's cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's fine. Everything's great. Okay, actually, I'm going to talk about this. I don't... This is one of the things that drives me the most insane, and it happens all the time with Democrats, too, but that, like, racism doesn't count if it is an action, it's only if the person means it. You see yeah. it in movies and media, it's just like they say the N-word or they like feel racistly mm-hmm, mm-hmm. inside of themselves against other kinds of people. Yeah. And, and and there is absolutely no interrogation of the fact that like Joe Biden, who in terms of his career has done the most racisms. So many racisms. Of maybe any living politician. When you consider the scope of his career. Oh yeah, I mean... The guy, the guy, we don't have to get the into it. The crime bill, the, the Iraq war, the Anita Hill, everything. <laughs> Lying about hanging out with Nelson Mandela. <laughs> uh, being good friends with all of the, uh, the the racists in his party. He eulogized Strom Thurmond. Oof. Like, how is, like, I'm sorry, it still galls me that, he, that like, he is beloved and, and he is obviously a racist. Yeah. But all that to say, but, like, he never comes across that way. And so it's like he just gets a pass. Yeah. Because and there's this, he's a nice boy. Right. Because he does a church. There's an American psychosis mm-hmm. where racism isn't an action or an effect on a black person. Yeah. It is a personal feeling inside a white person. And it doesn't matter if you shot somebody or you did redlining or you eulogized Strom Thurmond because what was in your heart was love. And I just... Gotta say, it. fucking hate it. I'm tired of it. You can't. There is no Donald Trump vote heart filled with love. Like fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> like it's also not even an accurate description of them. Even if it was true. Yeah. It's yeah. not true. Yeah, I have no doubt that there there is racism in the heart of Joe Biden, but it doesn't sure. matter. But he who did gives a the shit? racism, and it, yeah, <laughs> Americans can't even recognize when an individual is doing a racism, mm. which is perhaps why we have so much trouble recognizing that our systems do racism yep. without the explicit consent of the individuals involved. Exactly. Um, exactly. I think I also want to like point out here that like when they say we need to get the church out of politics, what they what Russell Moore and a lot of these people are saying is we need to return to the era where we were in control. Yeah. Because we are yeah. increasingly losing control mm-hmm. to this more political, more hyper right wing a political apparatus and we want to go back to when we could make you feel really guilty yeah. for thinking about uh, a boy one time like right. we want to return right. to the era where we were like yeah we tell you who to vote for but mostly what we do is just control you yeah and and if we look at the history of a lot of the people that are being quoted here as reasonable mm-hmm. we recognize that like Russell Moore, Beth Moore, virulent homophobia. Oh, yeah, of course. Not, not good on these topics. No. Maybe better than the average of their congregation or mm. denominations, but that is a very low bar. Like, oh, my like, gosh. These are, these are the exiles, but there is nothing there worth saving in what they represented when they were at the apex. Yeah, and they, they're George W. Bush Christians, yeah. and George W. Bush was even worse than Trump. So fuck off. You just want to be able to have people... Stay in their lane and do what you want. And you see the echoes of this throughout the whole right-wing movement with Mitch McConnell mm-hmm. being the guy condemning the, the January 6th riots. But it's because they are losing control of the way it's headed. Yeah. But that's it's as simple as that. This yeah. isn't better or worse. These people are evil, have been evil for decades, and they just don't like this particular new evil because they don't get to be at the center of it. Yeah, they, that's don't, get, it. they don't get to be in control. And they, they built the horse... They built the buggy, and a better horse came along. A more effective uh, horse. Trump's a better horse. And uh, and now they're, they're big butt hurt. Look at those haunches. <laughs> those haunches. Trump does have some serious no, haunches. No, that is not a joke. That motherfucker. <laughs> he, 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 like, he's like swatting flies off those things. Yes, I, I've never used this word before, but I think m- the first time I will ever call somebody thick. Uh, I'd, like to, I'd like to say now, Trump, you're a thick boy. He's dummy thick. Yeah. Okay, but... <laughs> But for David Brooks, <laughs> hints 
of Christian renewal are right. becoming visible. Mm, uh-huh. And then he goes into what has got to be one of the weirdest sidelines. Like, he sets up this idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's look here for Christian renewal. And then immediately sidetracks himself. And I'm just going to read you this sentence, and then we're going to dive in. Brooks says, When I was young, I had a weird obsession with people who adopted and then broke with communism around the middle of the 20th century. Arthur Kohlsler, Stephen Spender, Richard Wright, Andre Gide, and Whitaker Chambers. What's up, bro? What does that have to fucking do with Bryce Rice? Like, fuck are you talking about? Yeah, is that not just the most bizarre Out of sentence? nowhere. And Dave, he sucks, but his editor should have caught this and been like, this is just out of nowhere, dude. Where is this coming from? And I thought about it for a second. It was one, that's an incredibly weird thing to be obsessed about. It makes sense, though, for yeah. a conservative. And the New York Times. Uh, God, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anti-communist rag from the beginning yeah, of time. yeah. But, but I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to call your bluff. <laughs> because I think what Brooks meant here is just, we'll get to like what his point is with it. But like, you know, just, just throwing out some names, yeah. these intellectual names. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm going to do some Googling. I recognize one of them, which yeah. set me on this course. But okay. So very briefly, let's just go through who are these guys that he was so obsessed with. These cool dudes. Kostler. Uh, all these guys had left-wing connections of some to type at some point. So we're not getting into all of that. Uh, 1949, Kostler began secretly working with the British Cold War anti-communist propaganda department known as the Information Research Department, which would republish and distribute many of his works and fund his activities. Okay, so we have one uh, tool of the state doing anti-communist propaganda. Cool. Yep. Uh, Steven Spender, editor of Encounter magazine from 1953 to 1966. Encounter might have tripped your wires there. Michael, what was Encounter? Encounter was a literary magazine Mm -hmm. uh, that uh, published a ton of big names throughout this whole Cold War period. Uh, Also, interestingly, funded by the CIA. Oh, crazy. That's so weird. And uh, we could do a whole episode. Uh, Behind the Bastards has done some stuff on this. But, like, CIA was funding a lot of this, like, Mm. literary and intellectual work to sort of make sure that its literary cognoscenti would have an anti-communist bent. So this is, again, this is part of, like, whitewashing anti-communist propaganda through the literary world, and it was a big deal. They did this in a lot of different ways, but Encounter is one of the main ones. And so he's he's literally talking about the guy who did it, who resigned after it came out that he was a CIA shill the entire time, after being, in many ways, at the center of that literary moment. Yeah. Cool. All right. Andre Gide, another author, French author. Uh, He did... Renounced communism after a trip to the USSR, uh, but is perhaps better remembered as a man who loved being a pedophile so much that he wrote about it all the time. Yes. Um, He's very French that way. It was a thing. Yeah. Uh, Lovingly reminisced about raping a child that Oscar Wilde gave to him. uh, And wondered whether pedophilia was more beneficial for the child or the adult. Yeah, I'm, you know, Dave Brooks, uh... He does like them young, so not surprised that yeah. he loves this guy. Interesting. I, can you imagine in the New York Times writing an article lovingly mentioning a pedophile and the editors in the New York Times, hey, that's funny, just going with it. Weird. It's interesting. Weird. Interesting. Huh. And then the last one, Whitaker, or no, sorry, uh, Richard Wright, mm-hmm. who is uh, perhaps the only somewhat complicated yeah. figure on yeah, this yeah, list. Yeah, yeah. He was uh, a black author. Mm-hmm. Uh, started in the the forties and fifties, I believe, and like did was like pretty involved in a communist movement before mm-hmm. essentially getting out because of left Twitter, like well, because yeah. it was just a ton of infighting and and you know all the arguments and schisms and Trotskyism. There's nobody more annoying than like the white ethnics getting together and arguing about leftism. It's it's just no wonder he I'm surprised yeah. he didn't burn the building yeah. down. He should have. <laughs> so he fucked off to France and largely sat out the rest of the thing. Um he was an early supporter of James Baldwin. Mm. Later he and Baldwin would tangle a lot publicly about sure. their views on things. Uh, if you're arguing with Baldwin, you're wrong. I'm sorry. Yeah, this already. is the universal truth. Uh, but yeah, not, the... not as villainous in terms of the grip. Sure. Although he did at one point was sending reports to the State Department about black movements in areas that he'd visited, mm. uh, which is not great. But there is a pretty convincing case to be made that he what he really wanted was just to remain in exile. And the State Department was like, well, if you're not sending us these reports, then we're going to revoke your passport. So right, right. slightly more complicated figure. You got one. Everyone else, total villain so far. Right. One yeah. An who's... actual pedophile who wrote about it who wrote about how cool and good it was (laughs) neat david brooks neat and then the last one whitaker chambers uh who are more historically minded uh listeners may remember from the house on un-american committee meetings yeah wherein he was part of one of the biggest moments of this uh accusing his former friend of being a soviet spy alger hiss yeah this was actually one of the biggest moments in the entire thing we don't have Mm. we could do a whole episode on the pumpkin papers Mm. uh but essentially uh, you had 
one of the original pre-Dennis Miller yeah. left to right That's grift right. where he uh, <laughs> left. The he's the original Dennis Miller. Left having at least some tenuous connections to Soviet intelligence, which is not a hard thing to do, both no. the Soviets and the U.S. Any businessman traveling abroad probably was writing reports to the State Department. This is very common. But anyways, had some vague associations with Soviet intelligence, fucked off to America where he wrote for Time magazine, which uh. for our listeners... Uh, if you want to understand time during the Cold War era, just think of like the Washington Post now as it regards Bezos articles. Yeah. Like when the Washington Post writes about Bezos, that is time, but with the CIA at the head. Yes. Like time was just a CIA rag through and through. Yeah. Uh, the Dulles brothers were very close friends with the mm. editor and they did carried a lot of water for a ton of the evil shit the yeah, CIA in, was including doing. Including the death of uh, JFK. Oh, Absolutely, yeah. including the assassination of JFK by the coward Robert Dulles. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Whitaker Chambers also, like, there is so much to get into, but, like, the original left-to-right grifter yeah. who sold yeah. out his friend that he was more than probably in love with. That was mm. at least Nixon's oh, read on it. Yeah. He, like, Nixon summed this up by being like, eh, there were a couple of queers. Nick Nixon loves snuffing out uh, Irish homos and Jews. Yeah, <laughs> he but, loved uh, it. <laughs> undeniably seemed to have had a very close and loving relationship with this guy, Albert huh. Hiss, before throwing him under the bus. Uh, and Tragic. Albert Hiss was such, so good at defending himself that it almost tanked the entire Wild. House on an American Committee. Yeah. Until... Uh, once again, the Dulles brothers got involved, and also some documents showed up in a pumpkin patch that uh, Chambers just happened to be able to lead the statement department to. Was it Forge? Who's to say? Did did Hiss own a typewriter at the time? No, but that's not important. Uh, there's a lot to get into. I, and so to incept ourselves up, I love that David Brooks is like, I love these guys. Yo, and there were a bunch of pedophiles, cutthroats, and uh, people who threw their friends to the wolves. It's a very interesting list of names because all of these dudes had fairly storied careers. And if you're yeah. not aware of the actual yeah. history, it would be easy to see them as they like to be seen yeah. as these proud defenders of democracy mm -hmm. who looked into the heart of communist darkness and came out the other side, a better and freer man. Unless you think that that's not where David Brooks is going with this. This is how he follows up that list. Breaking ranks was brutal for many of this set. They were ostracized and condemned, but they were also liberated. They began to think new things and find new allies and sometimes embark on new causes. How are, how are the, the new things the right-wingers are always thinking are just age of consent laws? <laughs> it's interesting. It's funny. I feel like that's not new. Yeah, that's like so that's weird. I feel like that's not an interesting or new idea, Holmes. So strange. Um, so yeah, what starts with, oh, I was just obsessed. I was interested. Mm. Ends with, these people are heroes. <laughs> and then the next line really brings it home. Yeah. I've watched a lot of evangelical Christians endure similar experiences. They've broken from the community they thought they were wed to for life. Okay, I have seen evangelicals uh, talk about pedophilia, so that's somewhat <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. Insane. Uh, I love that he picked, pick, like, he can't even not have villains be his villains. Yeah. Like, his meta, he's trying to put these people as heroes for these people he's saying are heroes, and everyone is bad. Yeah, this <laughs> metaphor fundamentally falls apart when you understand that all of these people are villains, but it's very funny that he is being like, you know who is a real hero of the evangelical movement? Beth Moore. <laughs> Russell Moore. Lecrae. <laughs> uh, it's just, it's a real interesting insight into, like, yes. how brainwormed David mm. Brooks truly yeah. is. Uh, and yes, when I think of ostracization and condemnation, I think of getting to write for time and being the first editor of the National Review. Yes. Shut the fuck up, David. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he then says what is maybe the funniest line in the article when he calls David French a leading spokesman for religious reform. Uh, <laughs> we don't have time for this, but David French and I have an assignation. Oh, I yes. will find that man one day. I, I hate David French. Sometimes there's just like, but just like the the amount of evil this man has does, and the gall he has with which to continue to lecture. I just it's it just it I I I kind of I can't I it, it I am not articulate about how much I hate David French. It's probably better that you're not articulate because I feel if you could articulate it, we might be in a little trouble here. Yeah. I, I'll say this. The only way I could articulate uh, my feelings about David Brooke would be through a special set of tools. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, like, we all have causes of justice that we carry with us. I believe in the abolition of police. I believe in the ending of the mm -hmm. prison complex. Yeah, of course. Like, justice, for justice to exist, there is so much that we need to address. And one of my personal <laughs> standards 
for when I will know that justice mm -hmm. has come to this yeah. land for, for the first time is when David Brooks um, isn't writing columns anymore. <laughs> Uh, and David French. Yeah, but um, all of the Davids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and Davids. Yeah, we're getting rid of David. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. If you're named sorry David, I'm sorry, but we had we had to move on. Sorry, other family members who may or may not have that name. <laughs> shouldn't have been. Shouldn't have the same name as David Brooks and David French. J just okay. So now we're getting into his vision for religious renewal, for revival. Hey, this is stuff I can get on board with. Sure. We're religious people. Like we are Christians. We mm -hmm. believe in liberatory movements. So. What is his example of what good liberatory religion looks like? Over more than a century, the Catholics have established a doctrine of social teachings. My guy, I am, I am, I am begging you to read anyone that's not a pedophile. <laughs> I am begging you to find like one non-pedophile writer. It's just, it's like, listen, I, I have read some really good liberation theology sure. that comes from yeah, the Catholic background. Course. We are not denying the importance mm -hmm. of Catholicism in, in real liberatory movements. But, like, that's not the thing that comes to mind when you say Catholic. It's not the first thing. It's, it's, it's not. It's not at the top of the list. It's no. sort of like that pedophile writer. Yeah. Like, sure, did he condemn communism? Yeah, but it wasn't really his thing, you yeah. know? Yeah. Catholic yeah. Church, like, has done some great work in social <laughs> justice. When cool people that are not at the head of it are doing things. Yeah, uh, it's always, always a fringe part of it. Yeah. Uh, he then goes on to quote from the National Association of Evangelicals, an organization that I did not know existed, but now have an issue. <laughs> <laughs> but now hate with the, the but, way I hate David tune French. tune in for our three-parter about the National Association of Evangelicals. Uh, maybe we can get them all in the same room. That might be helpful for reasons and purposes. <laughs> okay. So uh, they've got this guy who's the leader of that. Notably, he is Korean and is the first POC to like have this role. Mm. Uh, so what does he say? He says his first priority is grappling with the issue of racial justice and reconciliation. And this brings up something interesting that I haven't yeah. delved into a lot. But this is like the fourth or fifth time that the article has mentioned racial reconciliation and the first time that the phrase justice appears. And I think that's important. I think that's important that like they will acknowledge that there is an issue with racism in the mm -hmm. church or mm -hmm. that, that, that a lot of these political issues have a racial component. Yeah. But for them, the primary purpose is always reconciliation. What's the difference you think in their mind between justice and reconciliation? Because well, I, I feel like it's pretty clear. It's very easy. In justice, we make material change the conditions of the under, uh, downtrodden, underprivileged people of color in order to make our world more just and equitable. Mm -hmm. Reconciliation is essentially white Christianese or even liberal for shut the fuck up black person. There's no other way to put it. Yeah. When they mean reconciliation, they mean black people stop bringing all of this up. Yeah. What they mean is we need to get along. That is our primary yeah. and indeed only purpose that we really care about. So we are going to put that on you. Yep. Uh, the people 100%. who have been wronged to come back to the table. And this also goes to how they feel about the sexual abuse stuff too. Mm -hmm. They 100% and Catholics want this too that like victims should shut the fuck up and we should in heavy quotation marks reconcile. Uh, how many times have we seen some part of the church be like the people that are bringing up their own sexual abuse or the issue of sexual abuse what they're trying to do is destroy the church. They're trying to divide us. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly it. That's it. And uh, you know what? Victims should want to be divided from their oppressors yeah. and their abusers. Oh, my God. I shouldn't have to fucking explain that to you idiots. Yeah, I think there are probably people working for, you know, a reconciliatory movement that believe they are doing good. I mm -hmm. think there is room in there that these are well-intentioned but misguided people. Mm -hmm. But when these motherfuckers saying it, they are using it disingenuously. Yeah, exactly. Even in its best uh, case, it's a compromise yeah. that we should not brook. But these motherfuckers don't even mean it. I want to do an episode at some point or two about how, like, left-leaning language gets co-opted by by both the right and libs yeah i think, I think that's worth delving but into like more. we'll we'll move we'll move forward for now yeah so then unless you think that i am off in my understanding of this man what is what is the national association of evangelicals next tip for how to fix the church great he says public dis discipleship he says evangelical churches know how to do premarital counseling and how to do marital counseling well i'd love to see similar programs for the church's ability to equip people in their public and civic lives <laughs> okay your assumption uh-huh the foundation uh -huh. of your argument <laughs> 
that evangelicals uh-huh. are doing good yeah. at marital counseling. They know how to do it. Zachary. Now, we spent a whole episode yeah, with uh, Christopher Thomas with CDT talking to us about what biblical counseling is. Yes. Uh, we have spent a lot of time discussing the toxicity of purity culture, mm-hmm. sexual ethics in the church, all things that one of their major avenues for distributing this evil yes. is marital counseling. Yeah. Uh, and so it's really, really weird to see someone name check Something that you know is horrific. Yeah, Being evil. like, all right, so this is what we nail. You know what we're best at? <laughs> this, I had just like my idea for a bit was like, okay, so now we, the church has like a, an, an office in basement. It's just called the Racial Counseling Center. And uh, oh, I'm just imagining like this khaki clad <laughs> oh, pastor, associate yep. pastor, who's from like Bowling Green, Ohio. Who thinks he's cool because his khakis are a little tighter than average. He quaffs his hair and he he occasionally listens to Skillet when he's feeling angry. And uh, he is sitting down there with like a black guy and a white guy. And the white guy has done something awful, something insane. Called the the black guy the N-word six times in a row or something. Or like stole from, like whatever. And uh, the black guy has currently done nothing except be a victim. And And the pastor is just like, has his hands over his face, just like, Guys, I just feel like the Lord is really leading me here to say that forgiveness is the way. I want you guys to take hands, Oof. take each other's hands, and like pray with me. And uh, that is their plan. That and is their plan for racism. <laughs> he literally was just like, So we're really good at stabbing people. Like, we're the best. We have stabbing people nailed. So we just need to expand yep. our stabbing apparatus yep. into mm-hmm. new fields. We, you know, currently we're stabbing people that are in the church. Yep. But what if we just went out into our communities yep. and did more stabbing? Like, that is his pitch. It is fucking insanity. His, his, uh, his pitch is the droogs from fucking, from fucking Clockwork Orange. <laughs> Uh, we are we are about five minutes from a, a Christians wearing yes. uh, clockwork orange costumes as a bit like to yeah. return to tradition, which is interesting and also aligns when you consider how they treat women. So makes sense. It's all coming together. <laughs> all right. So I promised you not just a delve into Brooks brain. Yeah. Uh, but more, but more a super friends team up uniting, if you will. Mm-hmm. We've arrived at the Kellerification. <laughs> and now Keller didn't write this article with sure. David Brooks. I want to be clear about that. But David lists Keller as not only <laughs> one of the preeminent minds of evangelical culture. Uh... Actually, let me just read this. The most detailed agenda for how to solve these problems that I have seen was produced by Tim Keller. Tim is a friend of mine, but a lot of people would agree that he has one of the most impressive and important minds in the evangelical world. Who are these people? (laughs) This is like Trump saying many people are saying. Who are these people saying that? Again, you know what's funny is like I I despise Tim Keller for all the reasons that we know. Tim Keller is one of the most pompous faux intellectual gas bags that you've ever seen. He preaches villainy, but he does it in a nice way. He is... is, just cut from the same cloth as John Piper, where they say things a little nicer, but it's all the same shit. Uh, but here's the other thing. Evangelicals fucking hate Tim Keller. Like, no one likes Tim Keller. Nobody likes Tim Keller. The left hates him, the right hates him. Like, Again, this whole grift that David Brooks's entire career is, is in believing that this moderate position exists, but really they are just five people in a room being hated by both sides. Yeah, I mean, it's that's what I was saying earlier. There is no center. Yeah. I don't know. There is no center. Joe Biden is a Republican on the right. Yeah, there was is a time when no I think center. Tim, like, you know, Tim Keller was a bigger name. Yeah. But at this point, Tim Keller has already been renounced by every reformed bro yeah. you've ever seen on Twitter. And certainly by every person who learned a little bit about what those beliefs actually were. Can you imagine how insufferable it would be to be at a dinner party? Oh, yeah, they're friends. They're friends. That could happen. Oh, no. What are they eating? Well, it's no longer a Shabbos. (laughs) David Brooks got off that train. So the food's worse. Yeah. (laughs) So they're eating evangelical food. So it's like very mayonnaise-based. See, here's the thing. I I, I think... the thing that is true about both David and Tim <laughs> is that they are faux intellectuals. Like, yeah, like well, they, are not, they are not doing the meat and potatoes right. thing. No, no, David no. Brooks might do it as a bit. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, I think David Brooks aspires to being seen as grill guy, yeah, but yeah. neither of these people are actually grill guys. I think they're getting like a sandwich with a little too much lettuce on it. Like it's not actually nice, but it's like a $15 sandwich. One of them's drinking water. And yeah, get, sparkling water. Yeah, and one of them's drinking Diet Coke. 
Have we talked about how my worst habit as a human being is my obsession with sparkling water? Yeah, we backed on me earlier. Yeah. Briefly, Michael, I take out our uh, recycling occasionally. <laughs> and only occasionally because why, Michael? Because I am responsible for the majority of the recycling in the household. <laughs> because you drink endless amounts of mineral water. Inordinate. Just Inordinate. gallons a day. Uh, you, there are boxes at times. Listen. Of, Okay. You talk about lotion. I need my skin to stay hydrated. This is part of my self-care. No, it's bad. It's particularly bad because, like, <laughs> all of the companies that make sparkling water yep. are evil. Oh, yeah. Uh, like, you got Nestle in there. Mm-hmm. Like, San Pellegrino, bro, sorry to tell you, uh, Nestle is who owns you. Yeah. Like, uh, you are actively fighting against water rights every time you take a sip, which I do. <laughs> 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 like, I... I I lack the moral agency to wade into the Chick-fil-A discourse because yeah. of my sparkling water obsession. <laughs> and Chick-fil-A obsession. Yeah, it's not it's not great. Okay, back on topic. But yeah, I think these guys are at like uh like a what's what's the more upscale version of Panera Bread? Oh, they go to uh Obama Pan. Yeah, there you go. Um yeah. That would I can't decide if I would want to be there for the content or if my eyeballs would just melt out of my face. I mean, I would end up in prison either way. It doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. I, I think th- I think what would end up happening, though, is that they get caught in a loop discussing Foucault, which neither of them understand. Yeah, nor have read, yeah. because they think to read Foucault would turn them gay. They 100% think well, reading Foucault makes you gay, and it does, let me tell you. Yeah, <laughs> and it fucking works. No, like, Tim Keller is the guy that reads Foucault, understands none of it, but talks a lot about how much he's read Foucault. Like, he absolutely uh, has read he's read it? Okay. Oh, he's talked about it. Like, yeah. I believe him when he says oh, this, because saying, this, I, is, yeah. this is his whole thing. It's like, I've read all the books. Right. I misunderstand them all. But, like, he's the guy that has read Capital. Right. But, like, just so that he can pillory it with the worst understanding mm. of what it is. Right. Like, that is, that is who Tim Killer is. I think he would start talking about the history of sexuality then, and I would pick up a fork, and we'd see how things go. We, d- we discover some new sexualities <laughs> yeah. together. Okay, so this is Tim's plan. This is Tim's yep. 10 points. Mm-hmm. That for renewal, a new moment in the church, there is a crisis that needs to be helped. What does Tim have in mind? So the first one, the Christian Mind Project. And let me just tell you what that is, Zachary. Expand by a factor of 10 the number of evangelicals and graduate schools in the professoriate in order to make the community more intellectually robust. In Christian, in the Christian, not in like regular schools. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. I mean, whatever. Either way, I think think it's bullshit. Well, of course. Uh, This is an anti-intellectual podcast. Yeah, well, and and, one, there's nothing new about this. Christians have been obsessed with their intellectual credos since the beginning of Christianity. Of course. Like when we lived near Southeastern Theological Mm -hmm. Seminary, they made this huge hay about their history of ideas program. Mm. They were so proud that their undergraduates were reading Plato. And, like, it's always in, in this vision of, like, Western knowledge and yeah. civilization being the best. Like, this sort of, like, focus on intellectualism yeah. as a solution doesn't actually solve any problems. It actually plays right into the traditionalist rule book that the alt-writers are playing with right now. Like, they want to return to yeah, Western values totally. too, dog. This is not new. Well, that's the thing. This, is, this project is all the same up top to bottom. There, yeah. there actually is no conflict. It's yeah. an invented conflict. And it's old that we've been talking about. Like, these guys just want everyone to be C.S. Lewis. Yeah. And miss the fact where, like, that doesn't help anyone. Also, for the fucking record, I can say this. I, I did the grad school thing. I've read books. I, I disavow. Yeah. Disavow. But secondly, you know, if you actually take that shit seriously, where it leads a lot of people, it's Marxism. <laughs> yeah. And you know who also read a lot of these things and understood Western culture and the problems of it? Fucking Karl Marx. Uh, there is no quicker way to get people out of the evangelical world than to send them to a good seminary or good school. Um, or, you know, there are other ways, but they're a little <laughs> darker. But also, like... it's Anyway, it's, it's an old idea. It's an old idea. It's also gentrification. Like, yeah, I think, that, I think we need to talk... Like, this is lib shit. This is... This it's is lib shit. This is uh, credentialism. Yes, this, is, this is just like which we reject wholeheartedly. Yeah, which is total fucking bullshit. They're, and their vision of fixing the church is like the problem they think with right wing Christianity mm-hmm. is that people are too dumb. <laughs> and I think that is fundamentally misunderstands. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, they see libs. They they think their enemies are libs, which mm-hmm. is funny. And they see libs with all the credentials. Because mm-hmm. and to be fair, that's what the Catholics, that's what Catholics and, and Jewish folks did. They got a bunch of credentials. Yep. And then uh, Protestants don't have anything anymore. And they see that as the problem. They think we just need to take back the Supreme Court, <laughs> or we just <laughs> or we just need to take back Harvard. 
instead of like our thing, which is all of this shit should be destroyed because it's, it is also bad. Yeah. Uh, he continues on this panoply of old ideas. Uh, he's like, we need 6,000 new churches a year. Yeah, church planning. No one's thought of that, dude. Yeah, no no, no one in evangelical circles is into church that planning. That didn't happen in the early 90s. Like, okay, dude. And again, like, how do you fix the problem in church by making new churches? Like, that doesn't fix anything. Like, there's a complete obfuscation of the idea that there's anything that needs to actually be adjusted within the church. Well, yeah, and again, they're just saying, like, millennials and Zoomers believe this shit. We just need to get to them. More and fancier. It's it's like they did this thing in the 90s when they invented, like, all that, like, uh, all those, like, small groups and shit. Like, this is just the same thing. Yeah. You're just reinventing. No, not more, even reinventing. Just yeah. restating just as restating. if it's a new idea. You're just restating the premise. His uh, next one, Protestant social teaching. Which is an idea that, if done right, wouldn't be a bad thing, right? Like, I could believe in that. But it sort of misses the part where Protestants have a social teaching. Yeah. And it's just called March for Life rallies and Nike boycotts. Yeah. Like, We could do something about this at some point. I actually think the future of Protestant is important in this country. I think it's a thing to ask about ourselves. How do we build this right? My thing is more, um, we should all be commies and affirming and, and, and help the poor. And that is that's not what they want. But I think they're again they're hitting a question, but without a real answer. Yeah, but 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 again, ignoring the real problem. Like yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, it, it, it pretends there is no problem. Yeah, for for all of these people, church is perfect. Yeah, it's just that there are these nasty outsiders who yeah. keep coming in and spoiling it with their Trump, and that fundamentally misunderstands the problem. It's because David. You're not a fucking real Christian or evangelical. Shut the fuck up. This isn't your world. Stop writing about it. Yeah, get the fuck out. You man. are a literal New Yorker who didn't grow up Christian. Why are you writing about this? You're not helpful. Uh, he's certainly not helpful. Uh, here's a great one. Racial justice. This is the entirety yeah, yeah, of what yeah. he has to say about racial justice. Keller argues that this is one of the most explosive divides between Trumpian and non-Trumpian wings of the movement. Okay. That's it. That's it? That's it. <sighs> This man managed to uh, reference racism, racial justice, and racial reconciliation a solid dozen times through this article mm. without ever saying once one idea of what that fucking means. It is truly impressive to me that you can make it such an important part of your article without ever saying shit about it. Well, they want people to not feel racistly mm -hmm. and then be done. And by the way, that's also what Democrats want. Yeah. It's the same thing. That's also what Kamala wants. It's what Joe Biden says. Oh, so yeah. It's the same thing. Really, really scary stuff. Um, and then finally, a strategy for the post-Christian world. <sighs> How do you evangelize among people who have never had any contact with the faith and don't share the same concept? Yeah, I don't know. Concept? Jesus had a real hard time yeah. talking to people who never <laughs> met him before. Yeah, I don't know. How would you ever do that except to talk about their needs and their feelings and how hard things are for them and maybe feed them and then, like... I don't know, build a real relationship about mutual kindness and aid and trust. I, and support. How would you, you know, well, how would you ever fucking get there? There's no way to know. How would we evangelize people that way? I don't know. It's not like they lived together and kept everything in kind and took care of each other. Fuck, there's just no way to know. Well, I, I think we actually do have the answer. Okay, so there's two cliffs, right? <laughs> and you're on one side of the cliff and heaven's on the other side. Okay. Now, wait. How are we going to get across the cliff? <laughs> <laughs> I always, as a kid, was thrown by the, the other sides of the cross. It's like, you're on the cross. What happens if you turn right or left? You're still on the cross, but you're not in heaven. That doesn't really, that's a bad metaphor. Here's the problem with that <laughs> metaphor. The cross has, there's a big wall. You walk across the cross beam of the cross. There's still something stopping you. What are we going to do? Okay, this is the dumbest fucking. <laughs> no. Uh, also, fuck you, Tim. You people have been freaking out about secularism since, I don't know, the 60s? Like, what no, the no, fuck no, no, are you no. talking about? The 1800s. Yeah! These people, it's literally been a problem since New Christianism came out in the 19th century. Like, since Nietzsche, these people have been concerned. Uh, how? How? How do you think this is the most pressing <laughs> issue? And like, okay, we've said a lot of this already, but just to sum up, never... Ever in this, is there a single moment where it questions whether there is a problem in the theology, doctrine, or actions of no. the church other than these nasty Fox News types yep. keep showing up? Yep. No investigation of, hey, we made this bed and then Q came and lied in it. Yep. I wonder how that happened. I wonder why We made a Q-shaped bed. That's so weird. There is acknowledgement of the rampant sexual abuse present yep. in the church, but mm. there's never any responsibility for how we do church made that happen. Or to change to stop it. 
These people Never. want kids to continue to be raped. I'm sorry. There's no other way to say it. If you don't want to change church, and church has been a thousand years of raping kids, and you don't want to change church, you know what you're for. Yeah. There is... You can't... I like, I don't think David Brooks wants children to be abused in his heart of hearts. But he is unwilling... I'm not to say that. <laughs> um, but he is unwilling to brook the yeah. idea yeah. That's that actually, change would I be can. required to protect yeah, them. exactly. But that's the same thing. Because I actually don't yeah. care about his heart no, of hearts. That's what I'm saying. That's yeah. what I'm agreeing with yeah, you. Yeah, I know. It, I, I and, know. and so functionally, they are the same. Yeah. Uh, it is... Truly remarkable just how old this is. Yeah, like, that's weird. Yeah. Like, as bad as most of this article was, it mm. did bring up some real problems. Yeah. And then its solutions are just 90s evangelicalism. Like, that's it's just, so weird. It's, it's hey, we need more inner varsities. Like, what the <laughs> fuck are you talking about, man? <laughs> I'm really trying not to crack a joke about meeting my future wife here. And we're just going <laughs> to power through it. I do need you to stop showing up to Campus Crusade meetings. <laughs> Not going to do that. <laughs> or Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Not going to do that. <laughs> I think to sort of bring home how off base this mm. is, he ends with a quote from Karen Swallow Pryor, uh, who, you Boo. know, notorious KSP, y'all. White ladies have got to stop that. You're white, not the notorious. White ladies anything. who taught at Liberty and defended Falwell until it became real, real obvious that was a bad call should maybe shut the fuck up when it comes to how to fix the church. Maybe, maybe just a little bit. Yeah, and also just stop calling yourself a notorious. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, it was, it was not okay when they did it with RGB, and it is less okay somehow when they did it with you. Incredible, <laughs> incredible. All right. Modernity has peaked. Karen Swallow When I think about how to fix church, I think, yeah, let's, let us examine the failures of modernity. <laughs> you suck, lady. You suck. That is some C.S. Lewis would have booed that. That's not even interesting. This is a Gen X argument. What the fuck are you talking about? All right. The age, the age of the autonomous individual, the age of the narcissistic self, the age of consumerism and moral drift has left us with bitterness and division, a surging mental health crisis, and people just being nasty to one another. I I can't believe she's the... Does she have more to say? One more line. Finish it, finish it. No, 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 no. Get, get into this now. Okay. I can't believe she is there being like, look at all these things, the unstated things, that capitalism has done all these things to us. Mm -hmm. Capitalism, in many ways, you know, has destroyed all these social bonds and has left us isolated and poor and fractious. And then, you know, her, her solution to it Millions are looking for something else, some system of belief that is communal. Hmm, wonder the back of me. Ah, funny. <laughs> it gives life transcendental meaning. Ah. That's it. That's and, and so her, like, solution to capitalism, which has atomized us into endless, endless individualism, mm -hmm. is more individualism. It is just individual belief in your heart. Again, once again, it is just how you feel inside of yourself. In she is so brainwashed. She is so inculcated by capitalism she's been so destroyed but she cannot think outside of it that she can only use its tools to fight itself yeah. she's using a gun to shoot a gun yeah which we all agree is cool yeah <laughs> so, rad love it loved love seeing it in action movies it's great in movies but she cannot actually see outside of it she is correct there is a problem and we do need a communal solution um, just maybe a slightly <laughs> different one than she's envisioning yeah i think i think there's a couple things here yeah one she is summing up the modern age, yeah. right? Modernity is yeah. like, ah. And then what does she talk about? She talks about narcissism, consumerism, and moral drift. Those are all individual problems. Yes. The problems that I see in our modern age is, are not that we all suck as individuals. Of course not. Of course we do. Of course. Sure, yeah. We always have. Yeah. Social media hasn't helped anything. Of course. I'm a bastard. You're a bastard. We're all bastards. But like... The problem isn't that people are selfish or narcissistic, Karen. The problem is we've been living under a regime of neoliberal capitalism across the world that is running out of places to exploit people yeah. and increasingly turning to everything like NFTs and speculative markets and upping the war machine because that's the only place yeah. they can keep making their numbers grow up. Right. We're running out of natural resources. We're already seeing climate refugees. We are boiling our planet alive. But for you, it's just that we're a little too consumeristic. And let me just say, like, yeah. People are consumeristic. That's not the fucking problem. That's the point. It's because that's all they have. That was the that was the that was what they sold the veterans coming back from World War II. Yeah. You can buy shit. And and you used to be able to buy a house. Now you can't buy a house. But hey, you can get some neat clothes for cheaper than you ever have. Yeah, great. Yeah. And, and the ones we don't need, we're just gonna throw in the ocean. Oh, and you don't really have enough money for clothes anymore. Okay, well we're gonna invent this whole other universe where you can look flash <laughs> there for microtransactions. So like, it's just it's just 
the what they will give you for security keeps going down. And but what I'm really trying to get is like yeah. she's identifying a problem that acknowledges no economic uh, yeah. issues, no racial issues, no no material issues of any kind. They cannot look. I think this is fascinating because like what's different about there is something different about this yeah. that you are hitting on. Is that like most conversations in this country are above the level of material politics of just ideology. This conversation isn't even that. Like I said earlier, this article is even above that. This is saying everything will always be the same. We will have neoliberal capitalism, but you can feel differently about it. The aesthetics of it can be different. That is all they're offering. They are now above the level of ideology. That is not even under contest anymore. What is only under contest is like, we will have a Trump. We will have a Biden. It's, it is, but they are the same. It is just purely, does this guy say Black Lives Matter? Does this guy say, not say it? This yeah. guy, does this guy say All Lives Matter? That is purely it. That is the only thing you get the difference. Coke? Pepsi. Damn. I want to return as the final point. Yes. Bring this home. Just like, just how neatly this sums it up. When Russell Moore says that people are leaving the church because they believe that the church itself does not believe what the church teaches, it's like, you've already missed the point. The problem is what you teach, man. Yes, there are individuals who fail that in other ways, but your teachings are what enable those people. And your teachings, even when they are done with love, are evil and toxic and keep people oppressed. Like, like you can't teach purity culture nice because it's, it's fundamentally an evil thing. You can't teach complementarianism in a way that is actually loving, no matter how much you claim it, because it is fundamentally an oppressive doctrine. And these people would say, never look behind that curtain, never examine the theology, just go back to not screaming in the streets. We just need like a few less stormings of the capitals, but mm, fundamentally yeah. believe all the same things and do all the same things. Yeah. That's all they have. That, that, that is the great revival in the American church that David Brooks dreams of in his wildest <laughs> dreams. Until the end of days, as the Q shaman breaks out of prison and leads the revolution. Like, when that is happening, David Brooks will be there saying, mm, just a few many tattoos for my taste. Because that's all David Brooks fucking has. That's right. I got nothing else to add to that. It was fun, though. That's I don't know. I, 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 love, I love seeing my friends team up. It's great. It's great. <laughs> you, know, you know how I'm, like, on a sitcom where you, like, all of a sudden mm-hmm. two characters that I'm really spending yeah, a lot of time yeah. together get together. It's like I love those subplots. Yeah, it's like it's just a whole new vibe. Yeah, it's uh, it's, it's, it's Stanley and Daryl getting together on The Office. Uh, I can't wait for David Brooks' article next week where he uh, starts the, uh, like, John McCain-style uh, re- rebranding of, like, uh, fucking Mark Driscoll. <laughs> Can't wait. Can't wait. It might happen. It, it, it might be happening All right of his, it, like Mark Driscoll's not as villainous as most people he loves. So, uh, I'm excited. This has been fun. Yeah. Thanks for taking time. the time. It was a lot to dive into, but I had a good time doing it. Yeah. I think there's a, yeah, I don't know. I think there's some thoughts there for once. Uh, last time for everything. Well, my name is Zachary Allard. You can find me at Zachary underscore Allard on Twitter. Are we doing sultry voice? Yeah. Hello. <laughs> Your voice is more David. sultry. Yeah. And you can find me. Right outside your door. <laughs> <laughs> a pod of shitty, shitty cream mission. Follow us at shitty underscore pod. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you next time.